0: Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Amen. Good morning. Good to see each of you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to the book of Matthew as we continue our series Teach Us to Pray. Teach us to pray. Matthew chapter 6, we'll look at verse 11 this morning. We'll also look at a few other verses as we jump around a little bit and walk through this morning. We had the great privilege this week of being out in the middle of the woods. I love it. It's a great place for me. A lot of you may not like that. Uh, For me, it's a time to unwind and get out and be amongst God's creation. And to see it all, to hear it all, to smell it all, and to not have any cell phone reception is glorious. It's a wonderful thing. We actually have to ride our bike up to get cell phone reception. And uh, so I do that a couple times throughout the week just to check in and make sure there are no major emergencies. Uh, but it's really a blessing to be unplugged and for my mind more than anything, my mind and my heart to get a break um, we enjoyed our week in the woods. We've been watching this show called Alone, and we've watched the last couple uh, seasons and years. And watching this, this uh, Alone, um, it is um, a show that where they place individuals purposefully. They take ten people and they put them out in the middle of the woods by themselves alone, and they have to survive uh, on on nature, the creation, on, on catching their own fish. They, this one has grizzly bears all over, and uh, they have to stay, get, stay safe from them. Um, they're trying to snare rabbits. They're trying to do all kinds of things. They're eating mushrooms and berries and anything they can find. They, they, they are all alone. And you have to be there the longest in order to win. And uh, one season, it was the goal was 100 days. And uh, it kind of seems like something I would do. Lisa would not ever want to do that. But uh, uh, it's a neat show just to kind of see what is needed in order for people to survive. And uh, we've had this discussion in our family quite a bit um, because about day 40, 45, 50, people are a little bit different. Each person is a little bit different but there begins this uh, unveiling of, of, of an inner part of them uh, where they realize that they need other people. And, and as much as I like to be alone, uh, at certain points, I know that God has created me to need people and need relationship. Um, and so that's what we we enjoy watching that just to kind of unfold um, and, and how that how that show shows the need of every day you're trying to just survive. And that kind of goes into the aspect of what we're going to look at today uh, of 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 our prayer life and, um, needing what we need today to survive. And so, um, I'm thankful that when we go to the woods, we don't have to catch our food. I don't have to shoot a deer. I don't have to snare a a rabbit. I don't have to catch fish in order to survive and, and eat, man, we eat good camping. And so we wake up every morning and run so that we can eat the rest of the day. Cause if not, I would be easily 250 pounds. So, uh, I'm thankful for, being able to take our food with us um, but when we think of this aspect of the Lord's prayer and his disciples asking Jesus teach us to pray it's it's an it's a phrase that when we look at it today from where we live today um, we can we can often just disregard it it's hard for us to pray this because we if we're honest we live in a land of plenty don't we This phrase is this, give us this day our daily bread. This is our verse for this Sunday as we are learning and asking God to teach us to pray. Daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And so maybe you've thought about that. Maybe you've never thought about that. But when you come across this this phrase of the Lord's prayer, uh, and you think about your need of daily bread, do you pray this? Because the truth is, if your cupboard is anything like mine, it's really easy, isn't it? It's really easy just to go to the cupboard or get in your vehicle and drive down to the grocery store and get whatever you need. Now, granted, there have been times, and there have been some of you who have walked through those hardships, those times where maybe you had to decide what what was I going to buy? Was I going to get was I going to get bread uh, and some coffee, or was I going to um, pay for gas in my gas tank? There are times that probably, if we're all honest, maybe it was back in college where maybe you didn't have a whole lot where maybe you were dependent on the Lord for that daily bread, for that daily provision. The truth is, when we're, if we're really honest, if you're really honest with yourself and with the Lord, this prayer is something that we easily gloss over and we say, I don't need to pray that. I want to look at it today and I want to beg to differ because I think this is an important and crucial part of our prayer life as we learn to pray. Before we dig in, would you pray with me? Lord, we are so grateful and thankful that you are the Lord of the universe. It is awesome to be able to come into your presence and to know that you hear us and that you love us. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who gave his life for us so that we can live eternally with you and that we get to enjoy that relationship, not just through eternity, but we get to enjoy part of that right now. Lord, we can't see you we see you in, in, in your workings. We see and feel you throughout our lives as we walk each day. But Lord, we walk by faith right now. And so Lord, as we dig into your word, I pray that by faith, you would help us to accept your word, to understand a little bit clearer how your mind and how your heart works so that we may live our lives in a way that pleases you, a way that displays your beauty and your glory for others to see. And Lord, we want to enjoy each day that you give us here on this earth, knowing that it is a gift. And Lord, help us to use this time and in these moments, Lord, to allow your spirit to come into our lives, to move our hearts, to move our minds. Lord, we give you that freedom now, asking you to change us, to reveal in us our own true self and to show us who you are in all of your beauty. Lord, we love you and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's look at this word, bread, bread. I like bread. I'm sure a lot of you like bread. Those uh, um, carb diets that are like no carbs, like no bread. Like, whew, I'm thankful I'm a runner. Um, it starts back actually in Genesis when, uh, when, G- when God is talking to Adam. When Adam and Eve sinned and uh, how God said that the bread that they have will come from the sweat of their work, that Adam will eat of bread, but it has to come from now the sweat uh, of of his work. But we see a few, uh, a book later in the book of Exodus, and, and God is working in his people. He has selected a chosen people, a nation called to himself. We know them as Israel. And God's choosing of them and working in them, he allowed them to be encompassed in slavery in Egypt. During that time, God had provided that time before. He had provided for them and for the families of Israel. But now they were encompassed in in slavery. God delivered them, and he brought to them Moses as their leader. Moses delivered the nation of Israel and brought them out of Egypt. And in the midst of that, God says to them, I have chosen you, you are my nation, and he puts them to the test. And one of the tests that he gives them, we find in Exodus chapter 16. And in Exodus 16, you can look it up later in your, in your own time with the Lord, uh, God tells them, he says, I'm going to test them to see if they will walk in my law or not. And this is centered around one area. It is around God feeding them the manna. In verse 11 of Exodus 16, God says, I will test them to see if they will walk in my law or not. Well, we know the story. If you've read it, you've, you know it. Maybe you don't. But let me tell you, as Israel goes along, they become um, a little what should I say? Spoiled. Um, and even as they go out and they've gotten instruction about this bread from heaven that God has provided, they didn't do any work to earn it. God provided it so that every morning when they went out of their tent, they were to gather what was needed for that day. And then they ate it. Some of them though, didn't listen to the word of God and they gathered more more than what they needed for that day. And so when they rose the second day to eat that bread, it had become moldy and it was foul. It was disgusting. And it was God showing them that they needed to live by faith. They needed to trust in him. God providing bread from heaven. They were to only take and eat for that day what they could eat except the day before the Sabbath. The day before the Sabbath, they were to gather two days' worth. Isn't that extraordinary that our God would put the people to test like that? Like, if you gathered two days' worth of stuff any other day, but the day before the Sabbath, it would go moldy. It would be disgusting. It was, it was foul. But yet the day before the Sabbath, they would gather two days so that they could eat that day and so that they wouldn't go out on the Sabbath. But yet that food was okay. It would last that long. I wonder sometimes if God tests us to see if we will walk in his law or not. We see a story then later where Jesus expounds on this Old Testament truth and this faith walk of Israel in John chapter 6. If you type, like to turn your Bibles, you can turn there. It'll also be up on the screen. But I want to read to you this passage from John chapter 6, where Jesus says that he is the bread of life. And so now we're getting beyond just the physical needs. We're, we're talking about something more important than just the daily bread of eating for our nourishment, for our bodies. Now Jesus says that he is the bread of life. And so I'd like to read you this passage, and you can follow along with me if you would, in in John chapter 6. The context is, this is after the feeding of the 5,000. So Jesus has just fed 5,000 men with five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, what I found interesting, again, I didn't ever notice this before, uh, but in reading this, uh, at the end of it, They gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. It doesn't say anything about fish left over, but there was bread left over. So everybody had enough fish to eat, but it was like Jesus knew that there needed to be enough fish to feed 5,000, but the fish wasn't going to last, but the bread would last, and so they gathered 12 other baskets full of all the bread. Now, let's Get on with this in chapter 6, verse 25 through 59. It says, On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then he said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble amongst yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets and they will be all taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that the one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread... as he taught at Capernaum. So what we see here, after the feeding of the five thousands is that people are asking for uh, some clarification. Jesus gives it to them very clear. They don't like to hear, especially those who are in the synagogue, the synagogue leaders. They don't like him saying that he came from heaven. They know who his father and his mother were, but yet here he is claiming to be the bread from heaven that was sent from God, the one who knew God who had seen God, who now is claiming to give eternal life, that whoever eats of this bread and drinks of his blood, eats of his flesh, that person will have eternal life. Some may take that passage as those who participate in communion, that if you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, that you'll have eternal life because that's Jesus' body and blood, no, Jesus isn't saying that. It's symbolism. He's saying you must believe. It's about a faith and trust that Jesus was the Son of God and that ultimately he came and he suffered and he died on a cruel cross. He was buried for three days late, and three days later he, was, he rose again. He conquered sin and death, and he offers eternal life to us. Here is the bread of life. Jesus offers it to us, and so when we pray, give us our daily bread, we must start first understanding we have a spiritual need, and there is only one who can satisfy. We also see this aspect of bread in communion, as I mentioned. Matthew twenty six twenty six it shows us that Jesus took the bread and after bless, blessing it, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and he said, take ye, this is my body. Bread representing once again his body that was broken for us. We think of our daily physical provisions. We've seen the, some of the spiritual provision that Jesus is talking about, but let's back up into Matthew chapter six, as Jesus continues in this, um, passage in Matthew six, where we're looking at his prayer. Jesus is continuing to preach at the sermon of the Mount. And as he is preaching after this aspect on prayer, he talks about fasting, but then he talks about also, where's your treasure Where are you laying up your treasure? Because no one can serve both money and God, or God and mammon. He then goes in verse 25, chapter 6, verse 25. If you want to follow along, you can. It will also be up on the screen behind me. He says this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What we see here is Jesus' realization that we are human and that we have this problem called anxiety, of worry of struggle, of wondering where our next meal or where our next paycheck or what is going to happen down the road. What if my car breaks down or my car did break down? How am I going to pay for this? Or I have three children who are going to college or I have two daughters who are going to get married one day. I need to have enough money in the bank in order to provide a nice wedding for them. I want to have a nice home for my wife. I want to have a nice Vacation for my family. How does it work for you? Let me ask you this. When is enough enough? Ultimately, Jesus knows our heart. He knows our struggles. He knows the pain that we walk through each day. We're sinful creatures living on this earth. And that's why I think Jesus tells us to pray this prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. We need daily bread. God knows it, and he tells us to pray it. God doesn't promise to give us tomorrow's bread today. He has shown himself faithful, not only in our lives, but throughout scripture. We read and study the word of God so that we can see the faithfulness and the goodness of God. Sometimes I believe God tests us to test our faith, to see, will we trust him? Will we walk with him? Some people have trouble with that kind of thought. Don't have trouble with that. It's for our good. God is not a cruel God testing us to see if we're going to fail. And when we do attack us with a whip or lightning or some other struggle or problem or trial, God is a gracious and loving God. He is also righteous and just, though. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to follow him and to obey him. And sometimes when we're encountered face-to-face with struggle, with hardship, with not having daily bread, it helps us to see who we really are and who God really is. Our daily spiritual provision back in Deuteronomy again in the Old Testament see the spiritual need for bread wasn't just in the New Testament with Jesus it's also seen in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3 where it says man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God do you understand that we can't live just on breath on bread or on food or on diet coke or or on donuts no, we need God. And ultimately we need his word because that's how we feed. That's how we 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 are able to satisfy the hunger of our soul. So we pray, give us this day our daily bread. I found it interesting looking at and studying some of these concepts on bread. Did you know what the meaning of Bethlehem is? In Hebrew, it means the house of bread. Isn't it interesting and kind of ironic? I wouldn't call it ironic. I would call it purposeful. That here, David, a man after God's own heart, was pronounced the new king of Israel. And where was David from? Bethlehem. Then we know, many years later, there was this woman, her name was Mary, and she had a baby. And that baby was Jesus. We celebrate him five months from this day. Christmas is coming. Five months from this day, we will celebrate Christmas, Jesus being born in a stable, In a manger, where? In Bethlehem, in the house of bread. God providing for you and for me. Just as he provided for Israel and the king that they needed in David. When we look at this prayer and this phrase, give us this day our daily bread. Three words come to my mind. The first is humility. Humility. Who am I and what can I really do? I'm reading a book by Philip Yancey on prayer. And Philip Yancey gives this analogy where oftentimes we pray at the bottom of the stream. We see the end of the stream and as we pray, we are praying upstream and our prayers is like our prayers fighting against what God is providing he talks about going to the, the source of that stream and seeing a, a beautiful little pond and, and the spring that God had provided in order to feed that stream. And he gives us this picture if, if our prayer starts at the spring. Meaning if we start with a big vision. If we start with the understanding of who God is and who I am. Who am I that I'm going to tell God what I need? That's where this aspect of this phrase in our prayer life creates humility. All that we have and all that we need and all that has been provided has been given to us by God. The mind that you have has been given to you by God. Mine seems a little faulty of late, but God knows what he's doing. The body that I have and that I work so hard. Growing up, we had this large garden and we would work and toil and we would reap the benefits of our hard work. But mom and dad wouldn't let us forget that it wasn't us who had provided that garden. It was God. God who had watered it. God who had given seed to To us to be able to plant God giving us the energy and the strength and the time to toil and to labor after it. You see, all that we have doesn't just come from us. And we would be so prideful and arrogant to think that what we have in our daily bread comes from us. So when we pray this prayer, give us this day our daily bread. It creates humility in our hearts and in our minds. Just as we see in in the story of Job, where God allows Satan to strike Job and to take and wipe everything away to see if he will curse God. Job doesn't do that. What does Job do? He responds, blessed be the name of the Lord who gives and takes away. Humility. Humility. The second word is reliance, reliance not on self but on God. I grew up in a home that we had to work hard and I'm thankful for that. What can sometimes happen and creep in is to think that I have all that I need. One of the greatest things and yet one of the most hardest things in my life was when I had a a concussion here playing basketball back a few years ago. It was then that I realized the fragileness of who I am. Who am I really? The reality, I know I need God, but I can do this or I can do this. The older you get, I think the wiser we get because the more we realize the smallness and how little we can really do without God. We're more and more reliant upon God every single day as we get older, because I can't do the things that I used to be able to do. I love skiing behind the boat, but let me tell you, I could do it for half an hour, 45 minutes. Now I get up five minutes. I'm like, whew, this is rough. And when I hit, it hurts. It hurts. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a reliance upon God asking him to provide the physical needs that we need, but also the spiritual needs that we need. It's a reliance upon him saying, God, I can't do this life without you intervening and providing for me. And so I need today. I need you. The third word is this, contentment. Contentment. Maybe you struggle with this. I know I do at times. Is this all I get? Israel struggled with that, didn't they? God provided this bread from heaven. And actually, they were supposed to keep a little, a little wafer of it so that the generations to come may see it and understand how God had provided for his people. But they weren't just happy enough with the manna. They needed something and wanted something more. What did they want? They wanted meat. So what did God do? The winds blew, and here comes the quail. Sometimes God is merciful, isn't he? He gives grace. He gives us what we don't deserve. We need to have a spirit of contentment where we see the beauty and we see all that God has given me. And while the world is clamoring, saying you need more, we get to pray this prayer. Give me my daily bread. It's a plea. Don't be shy to ask for daily bread for this day. Give us this day our daily bread because the reality is we all are beggars in need of daily bread. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that we have been able to gather here in this place to sing of your glory, to sing of your beauty, to sing of your goodness, your forgiveness. We are all beggars in need of your grace and need of your mercy. And so we pray this day, give us this day our daily bread. Help us to have a heart of humility. Help us to be more reliant upon you and not ourselves. So when there's times when we think that we can do something, help us to remember that apart from you, we can do nothing. Help us to be still and know that you are God. And there are times that you want us to take action, and yet there are many times that you would rather for us just to wait upon you, to allow you to move, and give us a heart of contentment. May our deepest part of us, our spirit and our soul, find a contentment in you and in your presence and in your word. Help us to see what your kingdom is all about and knowing that the things that we have here in this earth, much of it will be burned and will blow away. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Jesus. Amen. Before we sing, would you stand with me and would you pray? The Lord's prayer with me, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's uh, my pleasure. This is a really great time as a pastor to be able to uh, enjoy this with you. Um, I just want to lay the groundwork again just so that you publicly know baptism does not save anyone. Uh, Baptism is an act. Of obedience um, that displays our faith in Jesus Christ and who he is and what he has done. So, the people that you're going to see and going to hear from this morning, they're going to share their testimony of when they place their faith and trust in Jesus. And they are here um, in display of that inward faith, outwardly showing, displaying for you. Dis- For you to see and take witness of what they believe. That Jesus Christ hung on a cross. He died there. He was buried. And he rose again three days later. You'll see that laid out in front of you here in water. We see this throughout the New Testament. As people came to know and trust Jesus as their Savior. They followed in baptism. We believe as Baptists. That this is done through immersion. The word baptizo means to dunk under. And actually, um, that's how you get um, pickles from cucumbers. In order to get a pickle, you have to dunk it under. You can't just sprinkle a little bit of spices on it and think it's all good. You have to dunk it under to submerse it. We also see in the New Testament a large body of water anytime there is a baptism. And so people going into and coming out of. And so we're here today, and I'm excited for these four individuals, for them to join me. And so I'm going to have Matt come first. He has volunteered to be the first one. And uh, it is a little chilly. For some reason, our water heater wasn't working, but it's not too bad, right? It's like an ice bath. Yeah. Yeah. Allie, I think you wanted to have an outdoor one. It's indoor, but it's just like feels like outdoors. So it's cold enough. So I have with me Matt. And Matt, would you just share with us a um, time or place where you trusted Jesus? Yeah. Uh, you can hold it. <laughs> um, I guess like the really the first time I really entrusted Jesus um, and just chose to really follow him was um, actually started COVID, been laid off, um, didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, so I just started praying and fortunately enough, I was able to get a really good job about two weeks later. So I felt pretty lucky about that, especially in those hard times. And ever since then, I've just kind of really became more devoted to it. Great. Thanks, Matt. What do you believe that Jesus did for you? Um, he died and rose again three days later, um, for my sins and everyone's sins. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Awesome testimony of him and his fiancee, Allie. She'll be coming here in just a moment. Uh, Getting married soon, right? Yeah, October 22nd. That's something great. And uh, as they've walked in their journey, um, I encourage you, get to know them, talk with them a little bit. Uh, Just awesome to hear what God's done in their life. Matt, if you would, if you'd come over here, I'm going to set this down. Here comes Allie. Cool. You get used to it. Just watch the crocodile. This is Allie. Hi. Allie's really nervous about being up here. And for all of you who think I could never do that because I can't get in front of people, Allie, they could do it. No. <laughs> <I'm> kidding. Yes. <laughs> So, Allie, when when uh, when did you place your faith and trust in Jesus? When I was, like, seven, but I don't think I really truly understood the love of God until, like, ten months ago. And that's when everything changed for me. Would you fill in just a little bit? What happened ten months ago? I started going to church more and reading my Bible more. And you had a hunger, right? Yep. Yeah. Something changed. Yeah. Like needed needed something, and ultimately was Jesus, right? Like a 360, yep. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, Allie, based on your faith and trust in Jesus, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Next is Amanda. Not too bad, right, Amanda? No. Amanda, uh, you were a soccer player, so you know ice baths really well, right? Yeah. And this isn't that bad, right? No, this is actually kind of warm for an ice bath. <laughs> That's good. Amanda, tell us. Would you tell us a little bit of when you came to trust Jesus? I was, um, I think, in third or fourth grade. It was like another vacation Bible school, and I was just with my leader, and I was talking with her, and. She um, prayed with me, and I accepted him into my heart then. Awesome. Awesome. Well, based on your faith and trust in Jesus and your desire to obey him, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. She's giving her mom a big hug right now, because Casey's heading down here now. You already got wet, so it shouldn't be too bad, right? Have gone after my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> this is Casey Pittman. Casey, excited to have you here. Would you share a little bit with us? Sure. Um, so I I grew up knowing about or knowing about Jesus and God and the Bible, and I was baptized as a baby. Um, but it wasn't until like college that I really understood what it was to be have a relationship with Jesus, and so that's when my life started to change and become more focused on that. So, so you're here today, desiring to obey God in this opportunity that's laid before us, right? It's not salvation; it's an act of obedience. Awesome. Well, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because it's your desire to obey Him. Would you stand with me, and would you sing the doxology, and then Vince is going to come and play a a song to kind of close us out. I put the words up here for you because I know some of you may not know it. It's a it's a great hymn that I learned as a child, and anytime there was a great blessing, we would just sing this and we would belt it, uh, a poco we acapella. We called it acapoco, and so let's just sing it to the Lord. Let's give Him praise for what He is doing in our lives. Praise God. praises